Hey, I'm Allison Hare, and welcome to Little Left of Center, the podcast that interviews culture changers that are reshaping our world and breaking new ground. Today's guest on Little Left of Center is Lace Larrabee. Lace is a nationally touring stand-up comedian and writer and actress, and what I think is so amazing about her is she has launched an all-female stand-up comedy workshop and has been selling out these programs for women who are trying to try their hand at stand-up comedy. But what I think it's doing is it's actually creating a movement in the world of stand-up comedy, which has always been traditionally male-dominated. So I'm so excited to bring her here to you today. You're going to love her. She's hilarious. And I had to like catch myself during the interview from not laughing like a hyena. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. I am here with Lace Larrabee. I'm so excited to have you today. Um, And it's funny because um, I had interviewed your friend Greer Howard. Mm -hmm. And right after the interview, she's like, you need to talk to Lace Larrabee. And literally that morning, I was listening to Callie and Jeff podcast. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about how good your set is and how, you know, they're friendly, Larrabee. So uh, (laughs) that's so sweet. Yeah. So I'm glad to have you here. So Lace is a nationally touring comedian. She is now, which I've seen, Mm -hmm. a comedy writer. Yeah, that just started this week. So exciting. So Mm -hmm. exciting. And what I thought was interesting is I was... um, looking at your background or, or kind of learning about your background is that comedy, uh, you've kind of taken some unexpected turns in your life. Sure. Mainly that comedy came out of pageant life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it did and it didn't. It's kind of just that was the progression of my life. Like you can only do pageants for so long. So then after that, you have to fill that void afterward, you know, and I loved being on stage and I loved performing. So I don't think that I don't think comedy came directly from that. But it was the next thing that I did on stage you know, in between like trying to look for acting work and all that. So yeah, I'd done pageants for a long time because where I lived in the middle of nowhere in South Georgia, that was the only way to get on stage. And that ju- that is more of the theme of my life. Getting a trying <laughs> how to figure get out a, how to get on stage. How to get on stage. Yeah. So that is how pageants were birthed because I did a lot of acting as a kid when we lived in the Atlanta area. Then we moved to South Georgia and uh, no acting. Pageants, boom, there it was, did that. Then that ended because you get, you know, an opinion and uh, <laughs> cellulite at some point and they're like you're too old for this and then you got to get out of that and then yeah and then I had tried to do some acting work and stuff in Atlanta and it wasn't really going the way I wanted it to and I was in a bad relationship like a really really bad place and I got rid of all the negativity in my life and I was like you know what why am I waiting on people to pick me for a thing I am just how do I how do I can take control of my life again and literally comedy fell in my lap but here's what I thought was interesting about that. So I have a degree in broadcasting. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> when I was in college, we would take all kinds of obviously communications mm-hmm. classes. And one of them was video. And um, part of the video or part of creating content, I remember for me that they would say, okay, do a news broadcast. And I could not do a straight news broadcast. For me, it was always like something you know, comical and satirical. And I'm not a funny person, but I imagine, (laughs) you know, like I have a little bit, but not nothing to write a home about. Right. But I wonder if it was like that for you where you just couldn't help but see the funny. Oh, always. Yeah, I was I definitely think I, I was never like voted class clown or anything like that. 
but I always throughout my life, no matter what I was going through or doing at the time, I always had to find the funny and that's what my family always did. And that's how we made it through hard times was just laughing about it. So at school, it's sleep. I really figured it out. I think it's sleepovers as a kid, like how can I bring everyone together? And like, it was a little bit of one attention, but it was more so like just coming up with something funny all the time and seeing something funny that someone else did and then mocking that and then making everyone laugh because, oh, she can do the thing that blah, blah, blah. So I did that. And then in pageants, pageants were serious. I mean, it can get but, real serious. Yeah, but I imagine people are looking at the beauty aspect. So how can I sing beautifully? How can I look beautiful? Perfection is really, perfection. yeah. And yeah. like cutting up and being funny oh, is I like was, unexpected. Right, and I was the one backstage at every, like I was the one that broke all the tension yeah. all the time. I was always a little bit more rough around the edges than other girls, but then I was still winning everything because I... I don't know. I just love, I love to speak on stage and, and the interview portion was always my favorite thing. And I could just do everything else. It's like, Oh yeah, get in a swimsuit, whatever. I'm 19. I have abs. Let's do that. <laughs> uh, didn't even, that didn't think twice about that. But then the interview portion was the thing that I loved and the talent portion is what I loved. And I always did comedic pieces for talent. So I, they saw me as like the, the goofy, like the she'll joke around and, uh, and all the other girls are like, you know, clenched, just you know terrified and thinking about the next move and think and then I'm the one like making everybody laugh backstage is that so. like a comic relief for you for like, me a hundred percent like are you yeah. are you n- nervous in general meeting new people is that no. like a, a defense mechanism that you know kind of breaking tension of just I, I don't like it being too rigid let me yeah. just well, I didn't know this was going to be a therapy session. Uh, I <laughs> that could possibly be why you are sitting on a couch. Maybe I am sitting. You are sitting my, above. I'm in my lordy chair. <laughs> yeah, yes, gotta, I'm lording over you. <laughs> an office chair that's bumped up way higher than where I'm sitting. I forgot how to turn this down. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, the lights are low. I'm going to start telling yes. all my secrets. Um, so do you need to lie down? Pro- <laughs> I will after this. Um, I probably. I pro- it's probably some portion of it is to just like I got to let me break the tension. And so if there is tension there, like I need to just get that out of the way. Cause I don't like that. I don't, my, I hate more than anything, awkward conversation mm. and awkward moments of like not knowing. So when people are like, Oh, Lace, you're just a whole bunch of new people. You'd love to meet them. You're great. You're so outgoing and extroverted and all and funny and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, yes. And no, I'm fine with a big group of people. You put me one-on-one with somebody that I've like, never met and there's a weird feeling like I hate that more is than that anything. how you're feeling now no oh, you good. I feel very comfortable <laughs> oh, great <here>. uh <laughs> and I'd already heard your voice on on the phone and on your podcast so I was like oh yeah so even though we haven't met until today I was mentally prepared you know but maybe that is that is probably a part of it is I just need to get that weirdness out of the way because I don't do well when I feel like stuffy or I think that's a powerful gift too, you know, like sure. Yeah. Probably very grateful for that of just to break the tension. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's weird is when I can't like that. And when I, or I don't feel it, like I don't feel on and I'm just like, get me out of here. Like I gotta get it. There's plenty of like parties and get togethers and things where I've just been like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. Well, that's the thing too. You know, like are, are you expected to be funny? I mean, you're on national TV. You are working with Catherine Zeta Jones and David Tell and, you know, Tig, Natara and opening mm-hmm. for these huge, huge names. Um, and, and like, 
how do you feel like you have to perform all the time or that are you is like I don't stage? feel like I have to but th- you hit the nail on the head when you said do people expect you to be funny yeah. yes they do and the the worst part I think and and I'm not complaining this is just just pointing it out the worst part is when people know you're a comedian and it goes two ways. They either try to like corner you and get you to be funny for them. Like you're some sort of for hire. Like clown. a monkey. Yeah. Like a monkey, like dance monkey dance. And <laughs> I, I hate that. I don't like that, but that happens to every stand up comedian. So it's not, that's not a new thing uh, to be annoyed with. And it, you try to go with it for as long as you can. But the worst part, and this usually happens like after shows, sometimes it happens on social media where people know you're a comic and it's, this is, it's always a man especially to a female comic is uh, they think that they can say anything to you and they think that their sense of humor is your sense of humor and they think the the more gross oh, and disgusting so oh and the more raunchy the better because you know I, I cuss and whatever and I've got adult humor I'm not but I'm not super graphic and I'm not a disgusting comic like I I cuss when need be and I you know I have adult humor it's usually in relation to my husband uh, and yeah, then people come up and they just really think they can just say anything to you. That is fascinating. And they think you'll think it's funny. That is fascinating because I was watching Nikki Glaser's yeah. new Netflix special last Nikki. night. I love and Nikki. I love And she yeah. is just out there. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking, like, I almost felt compassion towards her because she's talking about blowjobs. And oh, yeah. All kinds of mechanics around it. And I'm yeah. like, I bet guys say the oh, they do. most fucked up shit to totally. her. Totally. So offensive. she gets it probably worse than a lot of people. And it, yeah. it is because and what's so funny is like the people, the audience can't tell like they don't they don't like as a comic, I totally see what Nikki does. And I would not like get her when she gets off. stage. I've opened for her before when she gets off stage. I'm not like, yeah, fucking dicks. Right. <laughs> like, I know the difference between what she's doing right. is performance art. And, and yes, it is her and it is her thoughts. But that's not, it's not, didn't open it up for me to just be real nasty with her, right? Yeah. But people in the audience think that. They can't just see it as like a performance. And these are well thought out jokes that have to do with regular everyday human interactions, which sex is one of them. Uh, they don't see the difference. They think she just said that I need to come up and say something real fucking nasty. Yeah. You know, like. Or she's then, hey, down to party. Or she's you know? down to party. Yeah. Like, or if, of course she, she wants to go off and blow a stranger in the parking lot because, you know, she just talked like that on stage. And it's like, no, oh, there's a big difference between those two things you know I I see it as an artist but I I guess audience members just don't understand that but I think that brings me to a good point I have so many good points (laughs) let me rephrase that but I think you should call this good points with Allison (laughs) good points Um, just wait you'll see you'll just see gold coming your way um uh, it it brings me to a point that I think is really um interesting about you is that you um have have done something again somewhat unexpected is that you have um started this comedy workshop only for women yeah and i think what's amazing about it is that all the ones are sold out up until mm-hmm. next year at some point yeah it's nuts and it's it's these eight week um six, it was six, six weeks, weeks comedy show uh, mm-hmm. comedy course mm-hmm. where you are um helping women kind of craft their their comedy chops. So, you know, you have your own perspective and there is uh, on comedy as a woman. Mm-hmm. Is there a mission beyond that? Why women? What mm-hmm. is your mission? Honest to God, I started the class because I needed some money. Like, that's why I started it. So, and that was about, I thought about that 
only up until that class started that I was like, okay, I'll try this thing. I had helped out a couple of women separately. One, one lady in town, she had some extra income and she's like, I'm getting into comedy. I don't want to go out and work the open mic scene. She was in her forties and mom. And she's like, I don't have, I don't want to do all that. Come teach me. And I did. I worked with her and she paid me and I was like, Oh, that's great. And then she told a friend who was in the same situation. And then she told a friend. And then, so I'd helped three separate women. I was driving all the way to their houses, helping them out. And then it was the first friend who said, Hey, listen, you should, you're really good at this. You need to help other women. I was like, well, I could use some extra income and that would, all right, I'll, I'll try it. I'll see. Let me see if anybody, if any women want to try out for, want to do stand up comedy. And <laughs> holy shit, it was, I opened up the first class online. I barely any, any sort of advertisement in any way. I think I paid for like one, one Facebook ad. And I reached out to just a couple of like secret groups of women that I'm in on the internet because, you know, just <laughs> secret groups of women. That's, we're all over the place. I want <laughs> any man to hear that to be terrified. Uh, there's so many secret groups. How do groups. I get in one of these secret Oh, there's groups. so many. I'll tell you. Yeah. Not on here because okay. it's a secret. Yes. Uh, but I, I just kind of like planted the seed and I was like, hey, I'm going to do this. And a lot of people would know me from doing stand up around town anyway. And uh, oh my God, the class like sold out. And I was like, well, shit, I don't know how many people am I supposed to take? How many, how do you do this? Like, oh, uh, another class took this many. I've never taken a comedy class before. I'd only taken acting classes. So I was like, oh, uh, shit, I guess I stop it now. And I like cut it off and I took these women in and immediately the whole like, I guess I'll just do this to make a little bit of money, like just disappeared. It was all from that moment on, once I heard all of those women's stories on day one, because day one, I have everybody introduce themselves and say, why did you sign up? Once I heard those stories, it changed. What do you hear? Oh my God. So now at this point with my level two classes, so counting those graduates, not counting them graduating twice, individual women, I've graduated 135 women in the last year and a half or so, or almost two years, I guess it'll be in December, two years. And I've heard the gamut, but there was one thing that I heard over and over and over in every class. There's always a handful of women who were like, I had always dreamed of doing stand-up comedy. They're like, I love it. I love. I secretly love stand-up mm. comedy, right? Because everybody's always like, oh, stand-up comedy's a male game. This is men. First of all, let me back up and say, I wanted to work with all women because I just love to work with all women. I did pageants for years. That created a community of women uplifting other women in a shocking way that you wouldn't even expect. Uh, and I met my best friends in, that I've ever had in my life from doing pageants. I did cheerleading for years and only did all, all girl cheerleading squads. Uh, and I've just always flourished better in a group of women. I feel more comfortable. Um, and in, in comedy, I'm s- just surrounded by dicks, just 24 <laughs> seven, just sausage fest everywhere you go. So instead of it just being, I I thought if it was co-ed, I was like, it's just going to feel like every open mic I've ever been to in my life. It's going to be mostly dudes, um, doing gross humor because they're brand new at it and it's not even, you know, polished yet. And then it's going to be a couple of women who are nervous about it. So I was like, fuck it. Let me give these women a safe place where they can share their feelings and they can be open about the things they would like to talk about on stage in front of me first before they hit a live audience. And um, oh my God, the one reoccurring thing that I heard over and over was, I love either the, it's a, it was a secret and then I tried it. I went out and I tried to go to some open mics and it was all men. Or I went and I did these jokes that I knew were funny and I worked on them for months and, and I finally went out and tried them. And then the men just stared at me in the audience or this male comic walked up to me and said, that's not funny. You shouldn't talk about that. Mm. Uh, or the worst 
which is uh, somebody did something creepy to them. They tried to do an open mic. They tried to sign up for something. And some guy said, well, you can only do my show if you do this or whatever. Then they immediately started getting dick pics from the comics. Once, you know, comic bookers are like, oh, give me your numbers and you can do my show. And, uh, and then instead of them actually treating their number as a professional, you know, contact that it would be to try to sext them and hit on them. And yeah. So, so I heard that so many times from so many women. I was like, fuck, we need this. Like we have to have. So what is the programming like? What do you mean? In your, in my course, class? Yeah. Like, what do I do? Oh, what are I, you teaching? What's so, important? So the most important thing that I want that I want my students to understand is um, don't compare your story to anybody else around you because women were terrible it's at gotta that. It's got to be so hard. So hard. So I so try to hard. break that and I remind them of that constantly. My number one rule in class is take a fucking compliment. That's the rule. And, you know, secondly and all that, don't compare yourself and don't worry about that. You each have your own individual story and your individual story is going to make you stand out. So stop trying to be everybody else. Um, and don't worry if her joke about this is better. It's your life. So tell your story. Um, most important thing is I try not to stress them out and I just kind of let them share. It's just a sharing moment, like week number one and week number two. I'm like, don't write jokes. Don't try to write jokes. I kind of loosely tell, I tell them all the terms. I explain all the terms in comedy. Cause I'm like, I don't want you to feel uncomfortable or hear me say a weird word that you don't understand what it means. So here's all the terms. And then I just say, okay, now here's your time on stage. And I time them. And in comedy, time is an important thing. You're up there for a certain amount of time. You have to learn to get the light and all that. So I teach them the basics of how stand-up works, how to remove the mic, how the mic stand, all those little basics. And then I just let them roll. I'm like, just talk, talk, talk about uh, your 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 fears, your embarrassing moments, your uh, your observations of the world around you, the things that make you unique things that frustrate you, pet peeves, whatever, talk about it. And what they learn is if I ju- if I don't like push them to be like, all right, this week need four more jokes, and blah, 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 which I think a lot of male ran comedy classes are like, mm. they're like, here's the format. And then it's you insert blank into blank into blank. And there's your joke. And then you have to have this amount of time by this time. I don't do any of that to them. I just let them be organic and share their story. So that's, I like an organic process and I don't want them to feel stressed out or intimidated. So is it a physical class that they go to every oh, week or 100%. is some of it virtual none of it's virtual no 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 you okay. have to be there um so it's six weeks in a row it's five weeks of actual classes where they sit for three hours at a time and with how wordy i am it's four hours uh <laughs> but they know that they learn that Book after extra week. time <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Just, don't expect to get home super early um but yeah so so it's five weeks of three-hour classes and then we do a final rehearsal and a party an appreciation party that i hold at my house and they all come to that and then they get headshots from this really badass photographer, That's female awesome. photographer in Atlanta. She comes and does this. Uh, she sets up a whole thing at my house and then she does all their headshots. And that same photographer then takes photos of them on stage at the graduation show. And the graduation show is week six and it's the big thing. And we usually sell it out. And it's like 200 people at the punchline That's come out awesome. to cheer on these women to do their polished set. So I... It's the most important part of the programming is just letting them be open because I feel I don't want them to hold back anything because they could be holding back the funniest part yes. of their life. And if then how worried. do you fine tune like crafting a joke? Like, sure. What have, how have you learned how to do that yourself? Stage. I yes. mean, you, you learn it on stage. I feel like I got thrown to the wolves really early on. Um, so I had no, obviously I had stage experience, you know. So when I started stand up, that part was easy for me. People were like, how do you get up on stage? It's so nervous. 
I could never do that. I'm like, well, I just wasn't born with that fear. So I don't, I don't have to really overcome the whole, like getting on stage in front of people. I've gotten on stage in a swimsuit in front of people a million times. So I'm like, that's what's standing. (laughs) Like, no, no big deal. So I had that part. And then the crafting, the jokes, I understood the dynamics of like, here's a setup and here's a punchline. Like here's how that, and that's honestly all you need to know in stand up is there's a setup and there's a get to the punchline. If you do longer form comedy and you have long, longer story time, like story, like jokes, then uh, just have funny parts throughout the story and then get to the crescendo, get to the big funny thing at the end. That's what I understood when I started. And well, what I know now, eight years in still essentially the exact same thing. Um, there's different forms of comedy and all that. I don't try to really teach that. I try to see what that student's good at and then focus on that. Some oh, of them awesome. write like killer one-liners. Uh, and I'm just like, let's, okay, cool. You're good at one-liners. Let's do one-liners. You're better at stories. Let's do stories. And then we just, you know, I, we, we pick it throughout the week and, uh, every, every week we, we narrow down all of their stories and their, their tales and we turn them into jokes. We just shorten down funny long stories until they're just jokes. That's like masterful though. at how to communicate, like, oh, I guess. how do you I translate away and I you know I think what was interesting is people say improv people will try improv classes mm-hmm. when they're in sales when they're sure. nervous to get on stage so oh, who yeah. is signing up for your classes are oh, they oh my god I have had every, every name a profession I've had them in my class before so I've had it's so funny I have a girl in my um she's, she's a grown woman she's not a girl she's a lady uh but she is in my current level two class and she's what is level two so level two you so level one you work on a five minute set level two you work on a 10 minute set mm. you can either build on what you had or do all new stuff so a lot of women will take my class go out do you know do the stand-up scene for months or maybe a year or so and then they come back to me and they're like all right I need to work on another 10 minutes and the best I ever wrote since I've started was in your class because I felt the pressure because when you're just out there and about in the real world there's not really the pressure to write new stuff all the time and all that and they're like we love they all come back because they're like I love being around a group of funny smart women every week and I love to get feedback from you know from me and then from the other girls and uh they love that. And that's why they come back to like write more. But, uh, I've had, so anyway, she's the one person I was talking about. She's like, I'm an engineer. I'm probably the only engineer that's taking this class. I was like, no, actually you're the third. So (laughs) I've had, so even the ones who were like, there, of course you've never had a blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, totally. have had all of that lawyers, uh, engineers, everything from like stay at home moms to artists. There's, I had an amazing, um, visual artist that like goes and tours and does all sorts of, um, galleries and stuff all over the place and she took my class and super jenny who owns uh um, jenny levinson yeah jenny levinson yes. so super jenny uh i always call her super jenny i'm like i know that's not your name <laughs> uh jenny levinson she took my class yeah so i've had every business owners um employees people who are just fed up with their jobs servers actors improvers There's such a huge benefit though of just being quick on your feet and of course and kind of being able to do that but yeah what I'm hearing from this is that you're actually starting a movement. You yeah. Know? Like I, I accidentally. Female women in comedy. Yeah. Of, you know, like you've said it at least four times of they're all men around here. There's yeah. nothing but men. And yeah. they're treating me a certain way. So, yeah. you know, what what would be the ideal state? You know, what are you hoping to get to? What would be a better state than what it is today? How do you break through in the, men, the boys club of comedy? Sure. Yeah. I mean, and it's hard because as an Atlanta based stand up. Atlanta, the Atlanta scene is amazing. 
there are, of course, and I think a big chunk of it is because of my class. There is now so many more women in comedy in Atlanta, but the guys who are, who are in comedy in Atlanta are really great. Um, for the most part. And we've kind of weeded out, like they work as a team and they weed out the bad ones. And, um, and so there's a lot more diversity here, uh, whether you're gender, race, all that in Atlanta, but you forget that it's not like that all over the rest of the country. Mm. The rest of the country is a boys club, especially when you get out of a major city. Um, it's awful. So my, I guess the ideal state of stand up comedy would be just more balance, like just equality. Like, I, I don't think that there should be all women comics or all male comics or at, at, and maybe not even perfectly 50, 50, because just honestly in a woman's life, if she wants to have children and she is, she might be the main childcare provider in the home or something like that, you know, might just not might fit her life. It might not fit her life, uh, to go out and pursue stand up comedy. Um, because she might not have the freedoms that just a dude might have. So I know that it's probably never going to be 50, 50, in the stand-up world, that would be ideal because I feel like more men uh, comedy consumers would be more forced to hear female voices. Yeah, what you see becomes normal. Right. Yeah. So uh, representation matters. Yeah. It really, truly does. And uh, and so many guys are like, are there female comics? Or uh, the only ones I've ever seen just, you know, they're either lesbian or they talk about their vaginas <laughs> or they're lesbians who talk about their vaginas. That's it, right? Like that's... <laughs> All that's what dude's thinking. And I'm like, when's the, was Paula Poundstone the last comedian <laughs> that you ever saw perform? Because there's so many, like you mentioned Nikki Glaser, Tignataro. There's so many great, insanely funny, interesting, unique women out there telling their stories on stage every night all over the country. But people, Whitney Cummings, Whitney Cummings, I love Whitney. Um, but yeah, there's so many people. Maria Bamford's my all time favorite stand up comic. Oh, and yeah. I, uh, she's actually headlining the red clay comedy festival and I get to work with her tomorrow night on stage and I'm dying, dying inside. Wow. I'm so freaking excited. Um, but anyway, besides all that, like it, I just want, I just, I think what I really, cause women are going to seek out women we're going to seek out women voices. I want more men to be exposed to women on stage. I just do because we've had to internal, we've, we've seen mostly male voices in stand up for so long as women that we just accept that that's comedy. Comedy starts from a male perspective and we're okay with that. And we're, we've been okay with listening to men laugh and joke about us and telling the world our story on stage. And we're like, Oh, okay. That's what comedy is. And so I would just like us to kind of take that back and tell our own story and not let some dude tell our story for us. So I know you said that you uh, went into comedy and felt comfortable on stage. Mm -hmm. At what point in your life did you choose comedy and this was your career? Yeah. Versus whatever else. Whatever else. What were you doing before? I was, well, I was just trying to be in entertainment in one form or fashion. So I was doing a lot of bartending. (laughs) Uh, a lot very entertaining yeah I have a communications degree but I did every job that I applied for uh like at a corporate level or something like that everybody was like you need more experience and I'm like bitch if you give me the experience (laughs) then I can have that experience but if you don't give me experience I was like oh yes I'm gonna work in another bar again uh until I get that experience so I would just apply and apply and I was getting growingly frustrated and I was like maybe this isn't for me maybe I shouldn't do this um, and when my mom is a business owner and everything, I was like, I should, I need to I need to do something, some backup, you know, cause you can't survive off the arts. And, uh, and then it just kind of as a bartender and after a bad relationship I got out of, it just kind of all, I had this regular 
uh, who came in and he's like, I started doing stand up. I was like, Hey, good for you. He knew I liked stand up. We had talked about comedians we had liked before while he was in there. And then one day he's like, I think six, seven months into doing stand up, he's like, I'm running my own show now. I'm running a show and I'm going to put you on it. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, yeah, you're on it. You're on the show. I've already, here's the flyer, like t- emails me the fly, like shows it to me. He's like, here's the flyer. He had taken a headshot, an acting headshot of mine off the internet, put it on there. He's like, yep, you're going to do 10 minutes. You have three months to prepare. And I was like, okay. And I just didn't say no. Cause yeah. I was like, I, I was one of those women who like secretly always wanted to do stand up, And I, I enjoyed humor as a form of whatever. Um, so yeah, I had, uh, I don't know. I'd always, I'd always love stand-up comedy. I was obsessed with SNL. Um, uh, Ellen DeGeneres, I remember, was probably like one of the first like women who I'd watched do a whole hour on TV, and I was like, oh, this is fascinating. And you know, my parents were big fans of like Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor and all that back in the day because the eighties. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I'd always loved it. And then when he told me I was going to do it, I didn't like. I could have said no, obviously, but I just kind of let that pressure like make me do it. And then I did it. Um, I loved it. I loved every fucking second of doing stand up right for away. the first time. So I knew immediately. Did you get that feedback immediately or was it like I, I, kind of crickets? Or no, no. Did you just kill? I brought a whole bunch of friends and they drank all of the alcohol uh, <laughs> that the great. bar provided. So I'm pretty <laughs> sure that, uh, you know, they, it, it could be a false sense of like success, but uh, they, they made me feel like I was important that night. Yeah. And so I needed that. And that's what, that's something else that I'd like try to teach my girls in my class um, is, you know, like I want them to have that first super positive experience. So even if they've done comedy before, maybe it didn't go great. I love for that grad show to be like the best experience they've had. I want them to be, be covered in waves of, of laughter and I want them to feel proud of what they wrote. Um, because after that one great moment, there could be a lot of downhill and you got to remember that because that's the thing you chase yeah. again. So yeah, it, the first show was great. The second show was great. Cause I brought out all my friends. And then as soon as your friends burn out from coming to see you, <laughs> then you have to kind of face the wolves and you're like, Oh shit, I need to be funny for everyone and not just people who look exactly like me. Right. Um and they who are in the exact same place in their lives. Like how do I make other people laugh? And uh yeah, I mean I but I knew that night I was like, "Yep, this is it. This what do you do thing. when you bomb? How do you like what are you when you bomb like do you think all right, fuck it. I just need to go back to the restaurant. <laughs> I need to go find a corporate <laughs> job or are you like I really need to figure out this joke or how do you yeah you just you you think well you have to take in all of the factors right so if so bombing can mean a a bunch of things it's not just like you did your best and they hated you like that's generally not it it's either like a new joke or it was a weird vibe that night or like recently I had to perform in front of four people uh and the four people came together and they were just assholes like they were just jerks And no amount of crowd work, no amount of trying to get on their level. Like I tried all the tricks in my bag, everything. I was like, okay, here's really well-written old faithful jokes. Let's try. Nope. You don't like that. Cool. Uh, let's make it about you. You got to love that, right? You've got to be at least a little narcissistic. So let's talk to you. So tried that fucking dog. Talk about crickets, crickets from only four people. That is the worst feeling. And then, so you try some other stuff and then eventually I just, I broke the rule, which you're not ever ever supposed to just break down and go, really? You didn't like that? Like you didn't out of all the, that's a great joke. (laughs) And I have this joke where I have a reference to E.T. and I like build up to this whole thing and in the whole E.T. whatever is the end. And uh, and it just stared at me. And that's when I broke. And the guy just stares and he goes, 
that movie's 30 years old. I was like, yeah, exactly <laughs> why you should have recognized it and known it. So you've seen it, right? You know it. You know the poster and the, you got the joke, right? And he's like, ooh, I haven't seen it in a while. And I was like, you fucking kid and alien in a basket. <laughs> and a bicycle, you know the bicycle. Steven Spielberg, there's a ride about it at the Universal. Oh, God. And I was just so annoyed. But all that did, like, because you have to take in all the factors. If you have a terrible set or you have a terrible time on stage, you got to sit down and dissect it. You're like, okay. Yeah. And you make sense of it because if you've done thousands of shows like I have, or pro- maybe not thousands, definitely over a thousand shows uh, at this point. Yeah, maybe more. God, I don't know. I do like 250 shows a year or something like that. Wow. Like I've tried to like add it up. So you're on stage so much yeah. that like one bomb is not going to like make you quit your yeah. career unless you're doing comedy like four times a year. And then maybe one bomb will send you home yeah, or yeah. send you looking for another job. But you're doing it so often that you're like, what went wrong? What was it? You know, that kind of situation, you walk away and go, okay, it was those four people. You know, like I can totally put it on them. But there's been times where I didn't do great or a joke that always kills, didn't kill, and I had to walk away and either listen to the recording because you want to record on your phone while you're while you're on stage, mm. kind of just secretly record yourself. And uh, and so you kind of go, and you're like, why? And then you're like, oh, it's because I mixed up the words or it was too new of a joke and it just lingered on too long without a punchline and yeah. that's why or it was a weird subject or if I'm going to talk about that subject I need to sandwich it in between this and this so there's you know just, mostly just trying a new thing is the hardest and you may bomb every time you try a new thing or it might work immediately but usually it doesn't usually it's something you go oh I see you can just rework the words you rework you know? it yeah and then the next time you're on stage you try it out a different way and yeah you're just constantly like tweaking I've got jokes that I've got a handful of jokes that I've been doing for at least five years and I pull them out of my pocket, you know, when I'm doing a big paid gig or, you know, something important where I know I need to kill. So I'm not definitely not going to try new stuff on, on a paying audience, especially the bigger the audience, the more. How many you... audiences are not paying? Oh, there's a What lot. is your business model? <laughs> that's, that's the same thing as music. I mean, anybody who's pursuing like an art like that, yeah. you can't, I mean, if it's open mics, you should never expect to be paid for right, ever, right? right? right so there's course. a lot of gigs that I do um, that either a favor to a friend who runs a cute little show mm. at a brewery or something. Maybe they don't make any money off of it. Maybe they just make a certain amount and they don't pay their comics, but you get a, you get some free beer tickets or something. Yeah. So I don't always have to do, I don't always do paid, paid gigs. A lot of gigs you do to get out the the new stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the point of like unpaid stuff. You're like, ah, I'm not even paid for this. So it's okay if I don't do great. That's yeah. where you try your new stuff. When you're doing a big paid, like and at this point in my career, most of them are paid, you know, booked gigs way in advance and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, those are different, but yeah, when you're doing something like that, I, you have some jokes that you use that you pull back out of your pocket every now and then, uh, especially if you're not some genius writer who comes up with a whole new hour every year. Um, and, and what I've, what I'll do is I'll take that time on stage to add and tag and tweak and on stage, something will come to me and then I'll change a joke. So there's jokes that I started like three years ago that sound almost completely different today because every time I did it on stage, I thought of another way to say it, to better it and better it and better it and better it until I got to squeeze every last laugh I can get out of that topic. That's amazing. Yeah. What are you, um, are you like walking around and just noticing things and just pull up your phone and put it on notes? Like what happens when an idea comes to you? I don't, I don't attempt to write. So I don't, I don't actively walk around like, is this something I should do comedy about? Like, I, <laughs> I just kind of wait till like a thing happens. And when that moment happens or when a super funny to me idea comes into my head, yes, you write it down. But unfortunately, those ideas will always happen in a situation where you cannot write. 
mm. something down. So it'll be you're in the shower, shower. yeah, or whatever. Writing. Yeah, or you're stuck with a group of people or you're whatever and you're just like, Oh god, this is something I need to write about. Like <laughs> you know, so you're um you're not always in a situation where you can, but yeah, the phone is where I immediately go to and into my notes and yeah. So your husband is a comedian as mm-hmm. well, isn't he? Yep. What are dinners like? <laughs> Do you guys try and out funny each other? Are you competitive? No. no, not at all. But we are, I mean, not to like, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back or anything, but I mean, I am really funny usually, <laughs> um, and especially Obviously. with people I'm super like close with, like, cause you just, you know, you know how to make that person laugh. Uh, so we love to make each other laugh. It is not every single day is not like a comedy show. You know, we still have to deal with bills and life and animals and him opening up a can of LaCroix and not drinking it and me finding five <laughs> full bottles of, or cans of LaCroix all over the house. And that's a, that's a thing. Uh, so there's a lot of moments that aren't funny, um, just frustrating. But they're, yeah, when we're just in conversation, like... Yeah, we're both pretty fun. I mean, we're really funny, but he makes me laugh out loud. I want to go to dinner at your regularly. House. <laughs> <laughs> you might awesome. want to be like a fly on the wall, though. Right. Because we're funnier when there's probably not an audience, which, uh, but we're really funny individually when there's, I don't know. I say that, but we got on stage together both last have some night. Skills. Oh, no yeah. way. Yeah, we did that every now and then uh, back in the day. And then we started doing it again last night. And because we had talked about it for the last week, so we went to Europe for two weeks. And uh, came back home when we had this show had already been booked and planned. And we're like, you know what? Why don't I do a short set? You do a short set. And then we'll get on stage together and just wing it and see. Like, we'll have a couple topics. It was great. It was really fun. Yeah. Are you guys both quick on your feet? I mean, is it easy to just get on stage and just go? Or do you feel like you have to prepare? I mean, that's the secret of stand-up is that everyone is very prepared when they're getting on stage. Unless you're watching someone brand new or super new, like two years in or less. Um, and they're not regularly doing comedy, they're probably winging it. Uh, but when you see, like, when you see a fully formed, like, joke, and, I mean, the delivery might seem like it just came off the cuff, but those, they've said those words a thousand times before. Yeah. Um, so... Do you get bored of your own stuff? A hundred percent, yeah. You do? All the time. Oh, yeah. And you get writer's block as a comic because, you know, you, what I've, it doesn't work for me to sit down and force myself to like, let's be funny right now. And that's why I don't want to do that to my students either when they're in the class. I don't force them but to do that. some people probably work like that, They don't totally they? do. Yeah. yeah. I've had a lot of women take it who come in with just like like 10 pages of typed out like I did and I'm like how did you even I want to like I want to take your class like what's your class because how, how do you even force yourself yeah. so people just function that way um unfortunately that's or fortunately I wait till a thing happens or pops into my head and that's how so yes and no I'm quick on my feet I'm glad that I have that skill because in between bits you know, well-prepared bits or if a thing happens that you didn't expect to happen, a ton of unexpected unexpected things happen in a live event, you have to be able to, to react to it. So I'm really thankful for that skill. But most stand-up comedy is well-prepared and well-thought-out beforehand. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think um, what I think the brilliance of comedy is is that art really does change culture. Oh, totally. And I'm wondering, have you ever gone in intentionally trying to change a perspective. I guess that's all comedians do, you know, if they're doing a great job. But if you were to kind of wave your magic wand, you know, what would be important for you to say for people to understand? What do you know that you wish people could know? That is a really, that is a very layered, (laughs) very deep (laughs) question. Um, uh, 
a part of me has always wanted to be like a politician anyway. Uh, but well, that's what I mean. I yeah, think, you know, it sounds like you stand up for things that I believe in. And, be, yes, and so I do yes. kind of get, I get, I get soapboxy every now and then. some people stand up is just them on a soapbox. Yes. They're there that they have that they have political stand up um, and they they are there to make a point and they have a thing that they need to impart despite how it's going or if the audience likes it or not. And there's a lot of comics like that. Um, I, I talk so much about my personal experiences and I make fun of my husband a lot. Lately, that has been most of my stand-up. <laughs> lately. <laughs> yeah, especially lately. And uh, so that's not... I don't really have a goal when I'm up there other than the underlying goal that I constantly have is whether I'm thinking about it or not, it's always there, which is I want everyone in this room to laugh. And if the, if they're men and they haven't been through my experience, I want them to see that I am good at what I do and that this is funny, even if you can't relate to it. Mm. Like I want them to laugh and enjoy it and see a woman talking about anything as funny, you know? So I constantly have that. So I'm kind of fighting that before I even get on stage. I'm That's like, interesting. It sounds like you're breaking down a barrier that you've seen. And I imagine when oh, yeah. you go outside of Atlanta, where it is mm-hmm. a diverse place mm-hmm. and you're touring the country where mm-hmm. it's completely different. It's different everywhere. I mean, it's, yes. it's different city by city. You can have a, suburb, a suburb right next to a city and do comedy show in one place one night. And last night I got booed on stage for, for mentioning that I'm a Democrat. Oh, <laughs> I just mentioned it. I don't even do political humor. It's just, it's literally one part of one joke where I just say, my husband and I are pretty different. You know, we don't have a ton in common. I'm, I'm a registered Democrat and NPR sustainer and I read and, uh, and he is kind of a conspiracy theorist and gets all his news from YouTube. So it's like just a comment, like it's a quick little comment. And I couldn't even get through my description, that quick little thing without a table of three dudes in the back. And this was in a suburb of Atlanta. And we're three dudes at a table just in unison. Boo! Boo! And I was like, really? Boo? I was like, you've been laughing for like 20 minutes. I've been up here. You liked everything else, but you're going to physically boo me on stage. Because I meant, I was like, also, this is my show and I can kick you out of here. So (laughs) how about you calm down? Let me get through the rest of my joke and hear me out here. Like it was so like, and I don't even try to like, I'm not that kind of like shock comic where I'm about to yeah. change all your minds. Like, it's not like that. It's just, uh, yeah, you do have to deal with that still. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. But you wonder how yeah. much of yourself do you censor because you don't want that kind of shock of somebody I don't wanna, doing that. I don't yeah. want to be in a, in a combative situation every yeah. time I'm on stage. So I choose not to. I choose not to be like pushy with my with my views or anything. It's it is nice though when I'm in LA or New York or somewhere where I just know you just that I can just say what I don't when I can just get through a sentence like that yeah. without anything. Not you can't. People are just like yeah, mm, that makes sense. Obviously, yeah. like you can share more of your material that is just more blatantly, you know, feminist or whatever. And uh, you can just say whatever you want. That's and do you just modify know. it based on where you totally, are? Totally, yeah. Wow. There's certain jokes that I do that I wouldn't do in certain areas uh, just because I don't like that combative. Like I don't want to fight with anybody. Yeah. And you know what? They paid money to be at a show. And if I was a, if I were a bigger name, and if and when I have a, a broader reach, and I'm at the point where I know that everyone in the audience came there for me because they like what I stand for and what I talk about, I think I'll be way more open. That's so interesting with my too. It's because in the meantime, if you're not famous, most people are coming to your show just because they wanted to go see a stand-up comedy show. Yeah. 
So it's not like they're my specific fans. You know what I mean? So, But it's interesting because it begs the question of, you know, do you have to wait till you get bigger or do you just stand and plant a flag? And maybe, you know, that's not what is calling to you at this point yeah. too, you know? And I'm, I'm curious about you, um, your experience on Viceland and Queen mm-hmm. America mm-hmm. and, you know, how do you feel about acting mm-hmm. in, yeah. you know, on, on stage? It's a different modality for you. Tell me where, where does home feel like? Uh, I love I love all of it. And it's interesting. Most of these acting gigs that I get are almost I get them because of stand up. They're always comedic. So they're comedic. And I was just I just did a film this year uh, that comes out next year. It's a John Stewart film stars Steve Carell and uh, Rose Byrne. And it's called Irresistible. And it is it's really just like it's the whole story. If you haven't heard well, you probably haven't heard of this movie yet, but it'll it's like a this teeny tiny town in Wisconsin and it's like pretty much a microcosm of like what's going on right now politically in the United States. Uh and so I played a um they couldn't call it um the a daily show correspondent, but they, they called it a news satire correspondent. Mm. So that was my role. Yeah. So once again, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. And my stand up real and my stand up like is what got me that job. And same with Queen America. I played a, a snarky pageant show host. So that's what got me that. I mean, that the, the stand up part is what put me over the edge of the other people that I was up against for that role. Um, so it's not really, it's not like I'm like having to transform into this, like I got to play an army widow vet and I've got to like pull all these emotions out. It's not like that. Most of, yeah, my, yeah. Acting, most of my acting is pretty much my stand up. Different modalities of your own. Yeah. 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 Your own stand up, yeah. your own comedy. And yeah. I'm wondering, you know, is, is, uh, everything is evolving. I mean, mm-hmm. comedy itself. I mean, Netflix has put comedians mm-hmm. on, you know, has put them at a different level than they ever have been before. Yeah. Whereas before it was like, Six minutes on Jay Leno, six right. minutes on Carson mm-hmm. would hopefully people enough people would be watching it to mm-hmm. follow you. Mm-hmm. So, y- y- what would be a great goal for you? Like, what are are you working towards that? Oh, constantly, or is yeah. it just kind of you know whatever wherever it takes you? How can I stay on stage and keep no, people laughing? You're, no, you're constantly. I mean, you always have like a set. I mean, if you're doing this full time, which I am, um, you always have a next step you need to get to. So. Uh, yeah, late night set is super important in comedy. And now there's so many different talk show hosts. Well, they're all still white men, but there are so many talk show hosts that have comics on as a guest. Uh, so you want to get one of those, even though it doesn't change your career anymore like it used to, but in the circles of stand up and around managers and bookers, they do still care about those credits. So as long as they care about those credits, that's still definitely one of my goals. So you submit for that, uh, and then, but like back in the day, if you got on Carson, that changed your whole life. You can get yeah. on Carson one time and the next thing you know, ABC, NBC, whatever's offering you a whole sitcom based on your life. That used to be what standup was. Um, and standup during the first standup comedy boom. Um, and now, like you said, it's this, the, <laughs> it's the industry so oversaturated. There's comedy everywhere. Now Amazon is doing standup specials and stuff too. So in addition to Netflix, like for the last like five, six years, getting net, like getting on Netflix, that's the, that's the goal. And it's still obviously the goal for me and anyone else who's taken this seriously. We want to be on Netflix, but now there's so many other people are like, Oh, that look how much attention standup is getting on Netflix. So now Amazon's doing it. Everyone else is going to, when Disney and Universal pull out and they do their own streaming service, I'm sure they're going to do their own. So it's no longer this one thing. It's not like yeah. Carson. Like it used to be so easy. It was like, get on Carson. 
or get on the Apollo or whatever, you know, get, there's one of those things will change your life. Now you're like, well, I need within this next year, I need some sort of Netflix gig because it won't be an hour special yet, but you know, I need a, I need a gig on that. I need a gig on this. I need to be a good late night. I need a late night spot. I need to work on more TV spots. I need to like, you, you need a plethora of things to continue to move forward, to grow your, your reach because it's so hard. You don't reach millions and millions of people at once anymore. It's probably insane to figure out kind of like social media. Of, like I'm yeah. trying to build my audience on yeah. social media and I'm so bad at it. Like, well, yeah, it, you have to be hot mess, obsessed you know? with it and you literally have to do oh, it as a full-time job. I hate job. it. And I do so too. I imagine it's the same thing for you of like, how do I make sure I'm in the right place and people are seeing my comedy and, you know, like how do you hit the zeitgeist when it's at the right time, you know? And so I I think it's, it's fascinating mm-hmm. of of your climb but the good news is that you're having fun and laughing sure. on the way you know it's not like yeah. you're you know toiling and uh you know digging in the dirt but yeah. i i wonder off stage what do you do for fun uh what is that like what is off stage no uh, <laughs> like I'm well it's kind of fun that my you're whole on- life is on stage um and yeah i mean it is it is fun uh i have a super strong um girlfriend group and uh so I have literally some of the best friends on the planet and uh, we, we love to get together and we do girls trips regularly. So at least once a year, we try to all get together and do something um, out of town. And then when we're not doing that, we get together. Cause so those are my old school friends, like yeah. the friends who've been there through every that Greer Howard's episode. She talked about Beth Keener, who is my, one of my best friends in the world. And um, so between her and I and our little group we have around us, including Greer, uh, we, we try to get together as much as possible and do big trips. So that's definitely, that keeps me grounded because they're not entertainment based friends like that. Yes. They're in entertainment. You mean Beth Keener and but, Greer Howard yeah. entertainment news on air host. Yeah. yeah. They're not entertainers. Well, they, well outside of comedy, I guess <laughs> right, is, the right, best, right. is the best. So we're all in entertainment in one form or fashion, but not, we're not really, it's, it's a different, it's a different vibe. It's not like they're trying to get comedy bookings from me yeah. and I'm not trying to like get like sports hosting, you know, gigs from them. So we're allowed like just to relax and not have to do things that are like, we don't feel like we're networking. Do you get, do you get fueled when you're in comedy or when you're around comedians for material and stuff? Yeah. Do you, oh, or just sure. inspired, you know, oh, like for sure. Yeah. If I ever, when I get in those holes of like, I think tonight, like I, th- I think this weekend with being on the red clay festival, it brings in, like I said, comics from all over the country. And, uh, it's, I like to do things like that. And I'm thankful that this one's based in Atlanta, so I don't have to travel far or anything. Um, I like, I love these moments because I'll see comics I don't regularly see and a topic or just being around them or hearing something like it'll, it'll, it sparks a new place in your brain. So when I get in like a lull, it's nice to just be around other comics and yeah. just go watch comics, even, even watch basic bare amateur open mic type comedy and go watch really, really good comics who know what the fuck they're doing, like to see them in their element, seeing them all of that kind of like sparks your own creativity. Cause is it hard not to critique and pull apart? What oh no, you're doing? constantly doing that yeah. all the time. Yeah. I mean, we are, we are, I'm not a comedian and I do the same. Oh, we, we all, all do, do it. Yeah. Oh God. And everyone's <laughs> a critic. Right. And, uh, so yeah, of course, of course you're doing that part. But the other side of it though, is, you know, if you're competitive, which of course you are, if you're in this business, you know, that you're, you're like, Oh, I can, Oh, I got a joke like that. And it's better. And I like the way that I do blah, blah, blah. So sometimes just like 
that competitive edge will just going out and seeing other comics. You think I can do that. I can do better than that. Yeah. You know, so you kind of need that sometimes though. You need like something to be, like you said, like working towards, you're like, Oh, what are your goals? Are you just out there winging it? No, you, and you need that, something to put fire under your ass all the time. Yeah. You know, so to write new stuff or to be more creative or whatever. So I, I know you have these workshops. So how can people, contribute to your mission so if they are not in atlanta yeah and they're interested in their females in comedy yeah yeah yeah. what is the best way to get started what uh, is your guidance for them get on stage yeah that's it open mics open mics that's the only way i mean that's the that's literally it everybody wants a magic pill that'll just like change change it all and just all of a sudden you'll be this amazing stand-up even the women who've taken my class um and here's the thing. I'm not like even in the world of stand up. It's so looked down upon for teaching comedy. So like, <laughs> it's like it being, is. Oh, yeah. Because they're like, oh, just, you know, why, just focus on yourself and don't be a sellout and go teach other people. And, but I see as being an all female stand up teacher is a completely different thing. Because this is something yeah. that's like feeding my soul. And it's yeah. and these women. We're all creating. This it's culture changing. Beautiful thing together. And we all like they're all moving forward and doing other things. One girl wrote an entire screenplay and then, and then another one built an entire thing, a, a, a TV series based on something she learned in the class. And like, I've just, it, it, it I have literally created this movement and I can say that confidently now uh, in this area. And I'm so proud of it, but it's so funny how it's so looked down upon to like be a stand-up teacher. But, um, and so I'm really not out here to try to like make everyone a stand-up comedian, but if, if anybody wanted advice, yeah. the only way, if you don't have a local all-female class that you can take, which are, from what I understand, there's like a handful of them in the country. Yeah. Um, if you can't do that or you can't find a class, if you do want to take a class, talk to people who've taken that class before. Don't just sign up blindly. Um, and if you don't have that kind of time or money, get on stage. Get on stage. Get on stage. Share share your your funniest thoughts. Try to write them into a joke beforehand. Be be prepared. Don't just wing it. Try to do it and then um, do it. And if you get knocked down, do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again. You can't, you just don't stop. Where's you the start, rush for you? Where's the rush laughter. for Laughter. The laughter. Oh, yeah. There's nothing like it. It is a full-blown drug. It is, man, when you can make a whole group of people and you have them, the best part is when you've been doing comedy a long time and you've got a bit that you know you know what's coming next and they don't know and you know like oh you fucking thought that was funny oh you just wait uh, like in the back of your head you're like you're gonna love the end of this and, and this call back to this other joke that i did that's gonna come later oh man it's gonna get you now like that's it is it is a high that you cannot find anywhere else like it's it feels so good I love that. I yeah. think about that all the time when I see people in big stages, oh, like yeah. the electricity between the oh. audience and whoever's on stage. Yeah. Like that is like if you could bottle that up, mm -hmm. you know, and sell it, that would be oh, yeah. amazing. And I wish yes. I knew what that felt like from like a musician's perspective, you right. know, yeah. like of being able to move people in, in a community, you yeah. know, like is, is amazing. Yeah. How can people find you? So I've got, uh, I guess Instagram is where everybody's going now more yeah, than anywhere right. else. So I've got my website and on my personal website, there's also a link to my comedy class on there. So if people were interested specifically in that lacelarabee.com and they can find my class info and my, and my personal stuff and it'll link you to my Instagram and all that. But Instagram is at lacelarabee. Uh, everything is under my name. So if anybody wants to find me, I'm not that active on Twitter, but I'm there. Uh, 
uh, so Lace Larrabee there, Lace Larrabee on Facebook. So is my, you know, my fan page on Facebook is Lace Larrabee. Uh, and no one spells my name correctly. So if they this is your chance. try it, it's la- first name Lace, not Lacey, L-A-C-E, last name L-A-R-R-A-B-E-E. Uh, but I think if they just attempt it, that's what I tell everybody. I'm like, just attempt it, try, but everything is under my full name. So you kind of have to try a little harder than just, (laughs) if you type in Lacey, you're screwed. Like you're not going to find it. So at least get that part right. Um, I love your joke about your name. Oh dude, man, I still, and still, it doesn't matter. I could do that on stage afterwards. Some fan will come up and grab me. Lacey, Lacey, come get pictures with us. I'm like, oh my God, I just told you. <laughs> oh my god yeah well thank you so much this was great i'm so glad you were able to and you are a culture changer so thank thanks. you for the work that you're doing thank you and for making us laugh along the way thank you thanks for having me it's just a lot of fun lord i love women who are breaking rules and creating new ones lace you were fantastic I hope you guys enjoyed my chat with Lace Larrabee. I've linked all her info in the show notes. And ladies, if you've ever thought about stand-up comedy, why not give it a shot? Why not just put yourself out there and see what comes out of it? It's another form of communication and is always a way to change a culture as well. Um, So please check out our information. As for Little Left of Center, we are growing. I hope that you will rate, review, subscribe, and above all, share these episodes with people who care. These episodes are these episodes are also broadcasting on Decatur FM and Salesforce Radio. I'm looking for sponsors for future episodes, so please feel free to follow me on the socials and hit me up. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next week.